0: When we went on our first couple dates getting away from Maxwell after he was born, it was like order as soon as the server comes up to the table, give him or her the credit card as soon as you're done with the meal, no dessert, no post drink, speed home. It was fun to be out, but it was a bit hectic, and we're in a much different spot now, fortunately.
1: I'm Amy. Drew and I are excited to be with you today. Colin and Abby had an episode last week, and today, Drew and I will be diving into some questions that I gathered from the community and also things that we've been going through as a couple. The goal of these episodes is that by us sharing our experiences and the way that we're working through something that comes up in our marriage or parenthood, that you guys might be inspired to also work through whatever you're going through. So I'm excited to have you all to myself today, babe, along with just about 10,000 of our closest friends.
0: Hey, always good to be back. Thanks for having me, Amy. Excited to dig in.
1: Okay, so I thought that I would hit Drew hard right from the start because one thing that constantly comes up for our community is finances. Now we know that there are many different ways to handle finances. So we're not saying that our way is the only way. We are saying that what we've done as a couple has worked really well for us. So Drew, I'm curious from the start, why do you believe in financial transparency in our marriage and why do you think it's important that we both know what's going on when it comes to our finances?
0: I think just like players on a team or employees in a company... It's difficult to reach your goals without knowing where you stand and what you need to do in order to reach your goals. There also needs to be alignment. If one person knows what's going on and the other doesn't, or you are in a a big disagreement about how to handle money, that can be really challenging. And I think once you're able to get both people in the relationship involved in finances and understanding what's going on and the why behind it, both people feel empowered and motivated to do what it takes to get to where you want to be.
1: Yeah. And I do want to compliment Drew because he was so patient with me in the beginning of our couplehood, including in our financial journey, because I was not as confident as he was. I felt like I wasn't as good with money. Like The conversation was much I think, scarier and just felt more personal than it did for him because he had some really great tools in place and he had taught himself a lot. So I think that when people are given the right tools, they have a way better chance of improving one thing that we instilled in our relationship from the very beginning was our monthly financial meeting. So once a month, we sit down and review how we're doing financially. And a lot of people ask questions about what we do and how we do it. So I was wondering, Drew, could you tell our listeners what we all do at this meeting and how they could set one up themselves for them and their partner if they have one?
0: Yeah. So in this meeting, we review recent purchases. We review balances in all of our accounts. We discuss upcoming short, mid and long-term purchases along with our financial goals in general. This is a safe space where we we have this time carved out once a month to discuss anything that might be on our mind or that we want to get into more detail on. We find that it's very difficult to do that. Day to day with our busy schedules with three boys at home, we can never have more than a 15 second conversation about anything unless we carve out the time for it and actually make it happen.
1: So tangibly, I think for Drew and I, one thing that we're doing constantly is prioritizing our spending. So if we have some big projects coming up, him and I at these meetings would come to an agreement on where we see things falling. And so I think that that can be really important for a couple because if you have two different priorities, that can get really challenging. What would you say?
0: Yeah. And like I said before, It's important to have alignment or at the very least an understanding of what each person thinks and why they think that way that can help bring the two of you together. And if you aren't necessarily in agreement on how to prioritize, you know, that's marriage is about compromise. So maybe one time this year, Amy gets to have more of her way on where we put our money and when the next big thing comes around maybe I get more input. That's something that we've done in the past and can be helpful.
1: Yeah. So it's not all, it doesn't all work out so easily. For example, I'd really like to refinish our master bathroom. And I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) But It's your job as a couple to figure out where the cards fall. And also in all of marriage, I just think no one should always get their way. So you've got to figure out what the compromises and that includes financially. So we're going to switch subjects a little bit here. Another question that came in is how frequently do you discuss your roles in marriage and parenthood?
0: I think more often than I'd like, (laughs) (laughs) if I'm being honest, I don't know. It seems to come ebb and flow. If you made me put a timeline on it, I would, I would say once every month or two. And Amy typically asked me, true, what, what do you think our roles are? Like, I don't know what we've been doing.
1: One thing that you have to give our husbands credit for is that they're always very, very honest. I think to answer this question a little bit more seriously. If one of us is having something that keeps coming up and we need to sit down and talk about it, we're certainly both willing to do that. So if it feels like a shift needs to be made, that would be a time where we might have a state of the union meeting and just figure out what big thing needs to change. If it's a smaller thing, I would say we would more do that on the fly. It's not always this big sit down meeting, but it kind of depends on how big the ask and the task that you're trying to offload is, right? Because then you might have to figure out if something else is going to be shifted to. So we're always willing to. Those things definitely come up. Another person asked what happens if something throws a wrench in your plans. One example that comes to mind for me is when we have a sick kid, like things just completely kind of go out the door and then it's up to Drew and I to figure out what adjustments we're going to make.
0: And I think it's always helpful to discuss your week in advance, understanding what each person has on his or her plate, and then coming up with a game plan. So if something does happen, if our kids go down this week and somebody needs to be at home with them, what days... Can I be available to do that? And what days are easier for you to be available to do that? So if you can have that discussion going into each week, we find that to be helpful. Sometimes that doesn't always happen and we have to adjust more on the fly. And then we really just evaluate like who's been having more time off of work recently to be with the kids. And what does your schedule look like this week? And based off of those two things, we make the best decision for ourselves and our family.
1: And I have to say, Drew has been so amazing in this department because I think although I have come far, I still have that like need or want, I should say, to like swoop in and take more of the sick time because my jobs are a little bit more flexible. I feel like I'm always like trying to protect Drew and his job and he'll step in and say, Amy, you took the last two times. Like I am taking this one. Yeah, I think it's definitely working as a team. And when Drew and I are in stressful situations, yes, we'll have like the little fights that I think a lot of couples have in stressful situations. But at the end of the day, we really know we are on the same team. We have each other's backs. We have to figure this out together to make sure that we're both going to be able to get through it. Okay. So going on to another subject in the next question, this one comes in a lot. People feel like they have to nag their partner when they want help. They have to ask for something multiple times. So I wanted to have this question on this episode because I think actually for Drew and I, it's in reverse. If we're talking about gender roles, it's kind of reversed. Drew is the one in our relationship that likes things more organized. He likes things a particular way. He is the one that is more likely to nag me, I would say, because I just have the type of personality where I don't notice as much stuff. So it really truly doesn't bother me as much. And I honestly, I'm like, I don't even see what you see. So I thought, Drew, you might be able to give some insight into anything that has worked when you are talking to me so that, because hopefully your goal is to nag me less too.
0: That's always the goal. Honestly, I don't have a good answer for this question. I feel like this is something that I struggle with. It's probably on both of us. I think my delivery isn't always as Strong or timely or delivered in the right tone that my nagging or my asks could be. Also, I think Amy has trouble receiving feedback in many areas. And (laughs) well, yeah, many, many can be like three or more, many, multiple, some, however you want to phrase it. We struggle with this in our marriage and we have a very healthy marriage, but I feel like this is
1: one of the pain points. Yes, I think from <laughs> the perspective of how can we actually give something that's like helpful and tangible for the audience is when I was reading Eve Rotsky's book, of Fair Play, and she talked about the minimum standard of care, I think it could be really helpful for Drew and I to do that. So what is the minimum standard that we want to meet inside of the house? Because if one person has their expectations super high, and my expectations are super low, like there's probably a middle ground that we could actually get to. I will say it's interesting what Each person cares about, and maybe you guys can relate to this, is if you follow me on Instagram, you can tell Drew is absolutely obsessed with our lawn. It's like, honestly, the first or second nicest lawn in the whole neighborhood. It is just something he's really passionate about. I feel like I've grown to understand that, but... For me, it feels really frustrating that he doesn't take more responsibility for the inside of the house. And even last night, when we were having a little moment, he said, you know, I've kind of completely given up on our living room. And for me, that felt really frustrating because... Yes, we both know we need our kids to do more. Like that's just period. We need to get better at that. But then also I feel abandoned inside the house when it comes to the cleaning because Drew's only willing to do certain things that are going to stay more clean in the rooms that the family is frequently in and they get more messy. He's kind of checked out of those spaces.
0: True. True statement part of the challenge that we're having is amy will just like do whatever to entertain the boys which is great she's a loving mom a fun mom but it comes at a cost for example we recently got this thing for max's birthday from a friend that you can they're like little i don't know even what they are like mini marbles water beads water beads and you can put them in water and they get big and gooey and fun So Amy likes to use our master bath to give the boys baths, and it drives me nuts because I haven't been able to actually take a bath in there in like five years because it's disgusting. And she puts these water beads in there with the boys in their bath. That was like two weeks ago. Now what's going on? I'm stepping on these gross gooey beads all over our carpet throughout the entire house, and it's just stuff like that that drives me nuts, and we are completely misaligned on how to handle little things that like get messy and I guess I view it as if I'm not contributing to the problem I don't want to be the one to have to clean it up and that's part of the issue
1: but the kids the kids are both of ours so we should anyways we won't continue our little disagreement on the air but I will say that Drew does bring up a fair point, and it's something that busy toddler said on her episode. Some parents, dads included, can't handle some types of play. So Drew is not the guy that wants kinetic sand. He's not the guy that wants water beads in our tub for weeks. He's not the guy that thrives with like super messy play. And so as his partner, me understanding, like that is a trigger for him, but also him understanding, you know, the kids are little, this stuff is really fun for them. How can we meet in the middle? I think the whole conversation is like, how can we meet in the middle on things? Should I do a better job cleaning up sometimes? Yes.
0: I think that would be a good meet in the middle.
1: A quick break to talk about our longtime sponsor, BetterHelp. As you guys know by now, Abby, Drew, Colin, and I all believe in the power of therapy. And like we're talking about today, inside a couplehood, sometimes you need a little bit of help from a professional. Drew and I have done a therapy session with my therapist through BetterHelp, and we walked away with a lot of tools to help us work on our communication. She also was just this outside voice that could come in, hear both of our opinions, and kind of give us tools to work through things. Sometimes it's like you need someone from the outside to come in and help you out so that you can get back on track. One message that I like to tell people is your relationship doesn't have to be broken before you go to therapy. If you feel like you could use a little bit of help to get back on track, that's the perfect time to go. So you can get 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp, that's better, H-E-L-P, dot com slash herself to get ten percent off your first month. You can join the over two million people that use their services by going to better H E L P backslash herself. Back to the show. Okay, let's switch subjects. That one was really fun for us to cover. One thing that I have been talking a lot about recently, and we talk about it all the time on herself, is how to give each other personal time. So here's the spin that I wanted to bring to the table today. I know, like so many of you, I used to really struggle when it came to taking time for myself. I was wading through mom guilt, including really bad working mom guilt. So the idea of taking more time away from my family was really hard for me. I lived at a pace that was just on, on, on for a couple years, and it really started to catch up with me. After we had our second son, Trey, I began to feel really resentful when Drew would take time away, especially because I wasn't. Drew was so kind to me at that point, and he really kindly pointed out, I think part of the problem is that you're never taking any time away from the family, So now that I'm comfortable in doing so, I thought something that would be really helpful for people to hear is how it's positively impacted our relationship. So I'm wondering if you could speak on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, more than anything, I feel like you come back to our family and to me rejuvenated after you take some time away, whether you're doing something by yourself or with a group of friends. And that's been really refreshing for everyone. And you... And seem to enjoy the day in and day out of parenting more when you're taking time away. And you also understand when I take time away, like what our goals and values are. And you're not having that resentful feeling towards me when I go play golf or hang out with friends or, or go do whatever. It gives us an opportunity to each be ourselves, the version of ourselves that we met when we first fell in love. And that's important. both of us. And I want that to continue for the entirety of our relationship. Clearly, we love our boys and we love each other as much as possible. But I think in order to do that to the fullest, you also need to take some time for yourself to understand who you still are as an individual and what you bring to the family that you love so much.
1: Yeah, I know a Instagram post that Really resonated with people was the time that Drew told me, like, I miss you, Amy. I miss the person that isn't just their moms. So I think that making sure that you keep track of who you are. And I think in parenthood, especially very young children, that can be really challenging. But if you can do little things, I always tell people to, I'm like, work up. Like for me, it was honestly going to the gym at first you know, taking 45 minutes away from the family. Now I'm much better. I can take longer, but it's all about starting, like taking the first step.
0: Yeah, and as part of that, you don't rush home. And in the beginning, whether you're going for a 45-minute workout or just going to get a cup of coffee, I feel like you had the accelerator down to the floor just in a hurry to get back mm-hmm. to our precious Maxwell and our precious Trey and our precious Drew, maybe. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's like, babe. Hey, I got this. You can be away for an hour and a half. Everything's going to be fine. You're not going to miss huge monumental moments of our life together if you're gone for an extra 30 minutes. So just enjoy the moment. Be present where you are and then be present when you come back.
1: Yeah. Now, if I go to dinner, I specifically try not to get back till after bedtime because it's nice to have one night off of the whole routine
0: yeah i feel like when you go out to your friends now it's like okay we need to get apps (laughs) pre-drinks fully enjoy the meal dessert go somewhere afterwards when we went on our first couple dates getting away from maxwell after he was born it was like order as soon as the server comes up to the table give him or her the credit card as soon as you're done with the meal no dessert no post drink speed home it was fun to be out but it was a bit hectic And we're in a much different spot now, fortunately.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's funny because it's so true. And, you know, so if you are back in that spot that Drew's describing, of course, we're giggling now. But that was my real life. Like I did feel like I was rushing everywhere. And that definitely led to burnout. And I think it does for most people. So sometimes you definitely have to take your foot off of the accelerator. A quick break from our partner, Gooder Sunglasses. I think the best story I can tell you about Gooders is that Maxwell had his sixth birthday party over and it was a very sunny day. Unfortunately for our friends, a lot of them forgot their sunglasses. Well, the good news is Drew and I own about 10 pair of Gooder Sunglasses and I was able to bring them out. Everyone grabbed a pair and then they were asking us, what are these sunglasses? sunglasses. We sent all of our friends home with our discount code, which we have for you guys as well. But that's just to say that when you try these sunglasses on, most people just absolutely love them. They're stylish. They're comfortable. They've got no bounce. They're just the perfect sunglasses. So if you want to get yourself a pair, you can go to gooder.com. That's G-O-O-D-R.com. And you can use the code herself15 for 15% off your first purchase. That's gooder.com, G-O-O-D-R.com. And use the code herself15 for 15% off. Now back to the show one thing that comes up for drew and i is that we are different people and so because we are different people we definitely have different needs so drew is someone that has always been energized by other people he loves to take time away from the family And I was recently speaking to Nina on her podcast, and her husband is opposite. And I know some other husbands that are opposite, where it feels like they don't make plans. They don't take time away from the family. So I think that this can get complex if we make it mean something about ourselves. So when I was younger and more insecure, I would think, Why does Drew feel the need to take so much more time away than other people? Why does he feel the need to take more time away than I do? But now I just understand that that's always been the way that Drew is. And as Drew is mentioning, we both feel our best and we both feel healthy if we are filling ourselves up away from home. So the point I wanted to bring to the table is that that might look different for you and your partner, whether you're more like Drew or more like me. So Drew, I wanted to know, do you have any insight on how couples could navigate their different desire for time away?
0: Yeah, I think it goes back to some of the things we were talking about in the financial discussion where so much of marriage is a compromise. And and while I, I take more time away from the family than Amy, it doesn't mean that I love her and love the boys less than she loves me and the boys. We just have different philosophies on how we spend our time. And for me, I feel like I show up as the best husband and parent when I'm able to take time away from the family. That being said, I don't take as much time away from the family as I would if you know Amy didn't have a different view on it and I respect that. So instead of, you know, golfing a couple times a week and then hanging out with buddies, that's much less than that, you know, if I can get out and play once every two weeks, that can be a healthy compromise where I still feel rejuvenated when I come back, but I'm not throwing parenting duties on Amy multiple times a week. And to your point, Amy, I think making plans far in advance has been helpful for us. And me not assuming things is helpful. I used to not do that very well where I just assumed I could go golf on the weekend and I wouldn't have to discuss it much up front. I do a better job of that now. And I asked the question, would this be okay? Or hey, if I went to golf? how about this time versus this time? What would be most helpful for you? And I think sometimes I still give the impression that I'm cornering you into a decision and it's a work in progress, but giving you some options and coming to a compromise has been really helpful.
1: Yeah. I think we were a work in progress in this area and we have come a really far way because when Drew asks me if he can golf, I don't, Automatically feel like resentful or like I want to say no. Like a lot of times now I do say yes. I do think it's easier. I tell Drew all the time, the fact that our kids are now just a little bit older, it just makes the time at home a little bit easier on me. So when he comes home often, I feel like he's met with a happy wife. I really want to be supportive of Drew's things. That being said, I do also feel like he is so respectful when I do say no, because I don't use it that often. And, you know, he has to understand that I'm not going to exhaust myself so that Drew has this amazing golfing life, but hopefully we can find a middle ground where he's golfing at an amount that feels good to him and I'm not overextended.
0: Well, let's be clear. I'm way too crappy of a golfer to have a great golf life, even if you said yes every time. But that's a really important Amy to respect the no. I feel like, you know, years ago, I would just like keep asking and begging and nagging until I finally got a Yes. And then you would just give in and then be resentful. And then we'd have a fight where now if you say no, I respect that. And we figure out a different time to do something down the road, whether it's golf or different activity That I want to go do no matter what spouse you are in the relationship, if you're the one asking for more or that likes to stay closer to the family, respecting the no is really important. On the other hand, if you're the one being asked the question more times than not, you can't say no every time because then it kind of defeats the purpose.
1: Yeah. And I think the final point I want to make on that one is that if you're the one that has trouble doing stuff outside the house, make sure that you're not making that choice because of guilt. And if you are, like we were talking about before, just take that first step in the process of you don't want to live your life in a way that mom guilt is making all the decisions for you. Okay. We're going to move on to the next subject here. One question that I get asked fairly often is how do you keep the spark alive in your marriage? I did want to mention before we answer this question is that I do think the season that you're in does make a big difference. So Drew and I are now on the other side of multiple children waking up each night. Although last night we saw a couple of our children, but usually we're able to get sleep. And I know at least for me as the woman, that's made a big difference for me when it comes to spark and energy for our relationship.
0: For us, I think it's a lot of the little things, whether it's getting you a latte or offering to pick the boys up from daycare, Lighting some candles in the bedroom after mm-hmm. the boys are to bed. Those are things that you really appreciate. It's a thoughtful, small effort that goes a long way. And I think that's reciprocated. I, you know, we go back to love languages and Colin Green's favorite subject. I'm an acts of service guy. So if Amy does something nice or meaningful for me, I really appreciate that. And that helps us connect.
1: Yeah, I think it actually goes back to the little things and just making your partner feel like you really love and care for them. I think that that has been just what has really kept us happy and enjoying our relationship and definitely still having a spark. So one really interesting question that I thought came in as we're kind of wrapping up here is one listener asked, do you think being so open about your marriage on social media has been helpful for your marriage?
0: When I initially saw this question, I think my mind went to no, or I'm not sure. But the more I thought about it, I actually feel the opposite where I I do think it has been helpful because it's brought topics to the forefront of our conversations between Amy and I, that we probably otherwise would not discuss. And talking through those various topics, those situations kind of the what if scenarios helps us understand the other person a little bit better. And I think it has been actually really positively impactful on our marriage.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I just love also the podcast and the guests that we have on. I feel like I have learned so much about relationships and it's one thing to hear it on a podcast from one of our guests But it's another to bring it home to your partner and say, Drew, this is what Molly Millwood said. And it really resonated with me. Could we talk about how we could work that into our marriage? So I really think that being open to growth, and I've always said that about Drew, he's open to growing as a couple. And so we've implemented a lot of the things that we've learned here And that's what the conversation on social media is really about. It's like me reflecting where I've learned in hopes of continuing to grow our marriage.
0: Yeah, those are great points, Amy. And for me and some listeners out there, I'm a person that likes to learn by experience rather than going to take a course or reading a book or listening to a speaker those things are all well and good and they work for many people. But for me, I like to learn by experience and actually talking through situations, just you know, the podcast and social media, that exposure and, and living in the moment has been helpful in growing our relationship.
1: I think it's also really interesting because I know the Gottmans are some of our favorite people to learn about marriage from. And they say that relationships in which if it's a heterosexual relationship and the male allows the female to be influential in the relationship, a lot of those relationships are much healthier Andrew has always said that he does not mind like me being a leader in this area of our marriage, like just learning more about communication and how to deal with conflict or whatever it is that I'm learning. He's definitely open to and allows himself to be influenced. To close out that part of the conversation, I wanted to say, I do think it's really beneficial if every couple has some accountability somewhere. So for us, yes, that lands a little bit on social media, but before that, we were in a life group with a bunch of newly married couples when we were newly married at the time. We've had marriage mentors in the past. We talked to friends like Colin and Abby very seriously about what's going on inside of our relationship. So I do think that sometimes America, like we are so private about the things that happen inside of our relationships. But I think sometimes when you open up and you're willing to be influenced by others, you're willing to hear other points of view, you're willing to do life with other people. I have found that to be so beneficial to our relationship. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think when you surround yourselves with other people that have common goals and really care about you. That just brings things to the forefront of your thoughts and your day-to-day experience. And there's power in numbers. So I absolutely
1: agree with you, Amy. So hoping that you guys can all find people that are really good examples for your partnership and your life. If you guys enjoy the Herself podcast, one thing that you could do for Abby and I is go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. So this is one way that we will land at the top of your feed every single week and you will never miss a Monday. So thank you so much for being here.